St. Louis, this is Paul Cartman filling in for Randy Tobler on the Randy Tobler radio show here at News Talk STL on 101.9 and 94.1. And uh, I got to fill in for Randy last week. It was an honor and a privilege, and I've been invited back. So I'm in the studio this morning with Max Foise, um, talking a little bit about the weeks that we've had. And I tell you what, news-wise, it's been quite a week. We're going to get into this a little bit later. We've got a few hours here this morning. And so we have no shortage of content on the economy right now. And if you know me, you know that what I do in the real world, when I'm not in a radio station, when I'm actually out doing things with my family and doing things with clients, I'm building portfolio strategies for my clients um, made out of high quality investments and securities. And so I know that the people I'm talking to on a regular basis are really, really concerned about the economy. A lot of them are retired or else they're about ready to be retired. And so if if you're not in that position right now, you're still feeling what's going on in the economy because you're probably stopping to pick up gas in your car or your truck. Oh my goodness. I Just probably about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was thinking to myself, you know what, I really need to get a truck. And right now, I'm really glad that I'm still driving a Honda minivan <laughs> because... I bet. Yeah, because if I was driving a truck and getting like 20 miles per gallon, oh my goodness, man, that would be eating into my bank account way more than the current gas prices already are with a minivan that gets pretty good gas mileage. But, um, you know, anybody out there who's buying gas right now, you're feeling it, even though gas prices have come down just a little bit, um, it's... It's very likely they're going to be going back up. We just got this inflation report here just during the mid middle of the week. 9.1% inflation for the month of June. Now, I read financial magazines. I read financial reports. Every now and then I jump on an earnings call with a company. Because like I said, I work in the financial sector. I build investment portfolios for people. So it's it's imperative that I'm paying attention and that I'm locked into the financial situation uh, domestically and abroad, the whole global financial situation, really. And um, all these reports that I've been reading for months now have been saying, you know, inflation's going to come back down. It's going to come back down. And uh, eventually, it'll probably start to slow its pace before the end of the year, so we might creep up about as high as 9% by December. Well, we just got the June report. So we are six months in. We still have another six months to go, and we've already blown through that 9% CPI, um, uh, consumer 
price index, the inflation. We've already blown through that 9% inflation. And the thing is, the thing that we're wondering about and that we're worrying about is like, how high can this go? When you look at the chart and you see what inflation has been doing over the last year, it started coming up in May of 2021. Slow, steady climb. Every, I think twice now out of the last 14 months, it has gone up and then maybe slightly dipped for one month. And then everybody's thinking, oh, good, it's on its way back down. And then the next month comes and it just breaks right through that level of resistance and it goes even higher than it was before. And it causes people to get concerned, to get worried. And then in the stock market, you kind of see this reflect. You begin to see a sell-off. So we've had a sell-off in the S&P 500 since the beginning of the year. As of yesterday, I'm going to look this up right now, but I think as of yesterday, the year-to-date return for the S&P 500, which is just an index that measures kind of the overall strength of the market, and there's different indexes that you can look at, but we're down 19.46%. So the S&P 500 has fallen 19.46%. The one-year return is minus 10.72%. So people are concerned, and this is you can see this reflect a little bit in the marketplace of companies, the stock market. So the demand to buy into companies is not as strong as it used to be. And since the demand isn't there, the price begins to fall, and we see the markets begin to fall as people begin to sell off a little bit. And we've got a couple, we've got a couple more reports to go. We have a GDP report that's going to be coming out in September, and people are looking towards that GDP report to find out whether or not we have been or are going into a recession. I think when that report comes out, it's going to tell us that we've been in a recession. So I think that we're going to see some more volatility in the economy. But one thing that's going to make this all worse has everything to do with this next report, this next GDP report that's going to come out in September, and with how the Democrat Party responds to a bad GDP report. Hey, Paul, uh, caller Gene wants to talk about inflation. Yeah, let's do it. Gene, welcome to News Talk STL. Welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. Inflation. What are, yeah, what are you thinking there, Gene? Well, I have wondered, if I under, understand this correctly, Food and energy don't get included in those inflation numbers. And why is that? That just sounds like a, a shell game in a sense. Um, I'm, you know what? There's different indexes that they use to measure inflation, and then they kind of compile them to get together to give us the CPI. Um, okay. I, I believe that food and energy is part of one of those indexes. But I'll tell you this, to your, I think to the point that you're making, though, they have adjusted the formula that they use to measure inflation. It seems like, they're, it seems like they adjusted every few years or maybe every decade. I don't know how often they look at it, but they do adjust it quite a bit. The way we measure inflation today is not the same way that we measure it 40 years ago when we had these 40-year highs. So it could be very likely that inflation is actually far higher than the number that's reflected in these Bureau of Labor statistic reports that come out monthly. That's what I'm wondering. And I think in some manners of fashion, it's deceitful because the inflation is actually, you know, some people are saying uh, in your circles that it's actually substantially higher than they're reporting. So they're not actually uh, providing 
full information on that. The consumers run around thinking, well, it's only 9% when it's probably pushing like 12 or 15%. Yeah, or higher. And you know, from one state exactly. to from one state to the next, it's different. There are some states where inflation isn't quite as high just and I'm not exactly sure how all of this works. But there are some states that have higher rates of inflation than other states and I think a lot of that has to do just with the overall cost of living and the things people use to live and work in those states that that might vary from one state to another. Yeah, it's kind of, it seems to me it's kind of like the old joke with the lawyer and the accountant. The lawyer will tell you if it's legal, and the accountant will ask you, well, what do you want your numbers to be? <laughs> no no uh, besmirching our friendly accountant professionals out there. So thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Good job filling in for Doc. Hey, thanks, Gene. Thanks for calling in. And, you know, Gene makes a, Gene makes a really good point that I've heard a lot of people talk about. Uh, these numbers, you know, it... it rate of inflation, 12-month rate of inflation here. But, like, when you go to the grocery store, most people are paying more than 10% more than what they were paying a year ago. Now, for some people, this 9.1%, that's that's kind of a benchmark nationally. But for most people, it's going to wildly swing off of that. You You might be experiencing inflation closer to 15 or 20% because the way you live and the things you need to live for your family, the things you need for your business are just different than other people. And and it might not be a situation in which you can just cut cost and, you know, well, instead of buying this product, I'm just going to buy this one over here. And, you know, depending on what your needs are, you may not be able to do that. So for uh, uh, politicians or regulators, just to say, oh, just all you have to do is just do this and you'll fix inflation. I'm going to play a, a clip here, maybe in the next segment, that just taught it, it, it demonstrates how out of touch politicians actually are. So we've been experiencing this now for over 12 months. Like we've noticeably experienced it and observe it. Like we always have inflation from one year to the next, almost always. That's actually part of the monetary policy of the Federal Reserve is to inflate our currency by about 2% every year. So usually we don't even notice it. But for the last 14 months, we've really been able to notice it. And while we've been noticing it, and depending on who you are and what your income uh, stream looks like, you might have had to been making huge financial adjustments a year ago. But it wasn't up until last May that President Biden and his administration finally announced that this is a real issue. Like, this is a serious issue that Americans are dealing with. They just completely discounted it and blew it off. And whenever we play this clip here in the next segment, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear the trajectory of their dismissive comments as they talk about how, oh, it's just going to go up and then come back down. Nobody's even going to notice it. To suddenly, it's so big that it's Putin's fault. And of course, it's not even Putin's fault. It is not Vladimir Putin's fault. Vladimir Putin does not have a vote in the U.S. Congress. He doesn't have a vote in the U.S. Congress. And how does all this happen? How does all this inflation policy, what are all the different variables that play into it? Predominantly... 
through our monetary policy, through our fiscal policy, the amount of money that we decide to spend, the amount of debt that we decide to monetize, the amount of money that we just decide to print up. Everybody has to learn what inflation is, and we feel it if you're the one who has to make your dollars stretch further because your dollar's just not worth as much. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you just a, a very basic understanding of what inflation is. If you have $5 and you go to the grocery store and you buy, I don't know, I don't I don't know what's $5 at the grocery store. My wife does most of the shopping, but I'm going to make something up, so don't laugh at me. I don't know. Is a watermelon 5 bucks? I uh, you know, wow, you're asking the wrong thing. Oh time. man. Okay, this I is I don't know. This is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> Let's say you go to the grocery store and you buy a Made together, a put together pre-made dinner. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. Five we bucks. Go. Five yeah, bucks there for that. We go. But then the government starts creating new money. They just got to start creating new money because they want to create brand new stimulus packages to go out to every American and new subsidies for businesses to keep them afloat. We got to do what George Bush did or George Bush did. And we have to abandon the free market in order to save the free market. So if a company looks like it's going under, we'll just create a bunch of new money, put it right out into the economy and give it to this one company. And then it'll trickle out everywhere else, everywhere, all the other companies that buy and sell from that one company and business to business transactions. And it'll be good for the whole economy. But what's just happened is we've had to create new money to do it. So the $5 that you did have to go buy your dinner at the grocery store, say schnooks, you walk in and you buy a box of lasagna or whatever. The $5 that you used to buy to do that, well, each one of those dollars is worth less because there's more of them out there. If there was one, if there was only one Mickey Mantle rookie card in existence on the face of the planet, it would be priceless. But if all of a sudden somebody discovered 2,000 of them mint condition in a warehouse somewhere, well, then that one's not priceless anymore because there's more of them out there. And as we discover more Mickey Mantle rookie cards, they become less scarce until eventually there's so many of them that you can have everybody on the face of the planet could have one or two of them if they wanted to. And then they're just not worth as much. Nobody's competing to get their hands on them. It's the same way with our dollar. The more the government creates, the more dollars that are in circulation, the less value they hold, which means you have to spend more of them in order to get the same stuff you were buying last year for five bucks. Now you have to now you have to spend six bucks, maybe seven bucks, to get the same thing that you were buying just for five dollars last year. That's inflation. And Vladimir Putin doesn't have a say in how much money we create. Vladimir Putin doesn't have a say. He doesn't have a vote in Congress. He doesn't get to amend the bill and say, hey, you know what? Instead of a $1 trillion stimulus bill, let's make it a $3 trillion stimulus bill. Vladimir Putin doesn't have anything to say about that. In fact, the only way, really, that global leaders and world events can kind of shift and shape inflation. There's really two ways for prices to go up, but prices going up does not necessarily mean, I mean, the, the prices are certainly inflating, but that doesn't necessarily mean your currency is inflating. It doesn't mean you have more money coming into circulation. It might just mean, and this is, this is one valid point. 
the coronavirus, the pandemic. That actually is a valid point, but it's not a valid point because the coronavirus has a vote in Congress. It's a valid point because up uh, because of coronavirus, government leaders, again, right back to the politicians, the bureaucrats, the regulators, they forced people to close their doors, their business doors. And so now if you have your $5 and you you were buying your lasagna from grocery store A, but now they're closed down because the government forced them to close, well, now there's only one other grocery store. So there's less competition. They can raise the price as much as they want. And if they also shut down ports of entry and made it harder to import the things that we need to make that lasagna, well, then they're bottlenecking and right, making the, the cost of production incredibly high. So now our prices have to go up for that too. So if you can understand this now, we're kind of getting hit from both angles here. Not only did the government close doors of businesses, not only did they make the logistics of moving products from uh, the, the ships out in the ocean to the shelves on our grocery stores incredibly more difficult, forcing the cost of production to rise and the cost of moving those products to the store shelves to rise. Not only did they do that, but on the other side, in Congress, they're also printing more money. We're getting hit for inflation kind of from both angles. It's almost like Congress. It's almost like government leaders and politicians got together and said, hey, how can we really tie up all the loose ends and make sure we make this situation difficult for the American people and even more difficult for them to dig their way out of? And you know what? It's not Vladimir Putin's fault. Even the logistics side. Are you kidding me? Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Okay. Pete Buttigieg. I've, I've heard so many people say his name differently. And every time I say it, I second guess myself. I'm like, am I saying that right? Pete Buttigieg. He and his husband go on maternity leave. Is it maternity leave or parental leave? Uh, or paternity leave. Paternity leave. I believe. Yes. Not maternity, right? right. <laughs> it's not maternity, right? Because neither one of them, those are two men that are married, and neither one of them can get pregnant because men can't get pregnant. So they adopted Pete Buttigieg in the middle of this crisis to get our ports open so ships can actually come in and dock and unload all the goods and materials and raw materials that we need to produce things or move the products to the shelves. We can't get them to shelves unless we can get them off the boat first. Last year, we have this huge bottleneck problem at the ports. And where where is the the secretary of, uh, of uh, transportation? I want to make sure that that's right. He's on leave. He's on paid leave for months. He doesn't even show up. Yeah, United States Secretary of Transportation. Man, I mean, here we are. We're looking for a way to actually move these boats into our ports. There are trucks lined up at the docks sitting there empty just waiting for these ships to come in. I don't know how in the world anybody can blame Vladimir Putin on for all of this. And keep a straight face. But I suspect that they can do it because they know they're not going to get called out by the media. Now, I will say this. The media has talked about this. The mainstream media has talked about it. But they're just paying lip service to their viewers. Because when given the opportunity to sit down in the White House uh, press conference room 
Very rarely does somebody actually stand up and push back and say, hey, does the buck stop with you, President Biden? How is this everybody else's fault but your fault or the administration's fault or Washington, D.C.'s fault altogether? In fact, I think it was Peter Ducey that tried to actually ask that question or, or, or some question just to kind of put him on the spot. And on an open mic, Biden calls him a SOB. Man, you want to talk about contempt for the American people? Stick around for the next segment because we're going to play this clip. It's probably about a two-minute clip, but throughout the whole timeline of inflation getting worse and worse and worse, you're going to hear excuse after excuse after excuse, misdirection, spin, everything. And you know what? To this day, they're still not taking any accountability or responsibility for it. They don't even think that they're the ones that ought to be blamed for not doing anything, even if it wasn't their fault, right? Biden came into office, and it was just only a couple months later that inflation hit. But he doesn't even think that he ought to be accountable for making any changes or leading. Man, that's scary. Hey, we're going to come back after the next after the break, but when we come into the next segment, I'm going to start by playing this clip, so make sure you stick around and you listen. And if you want to call in, 314-912-1019. This is Paul Kurtman filling in for Randy Tobler on the Randy Tobler Show right here at News Talk STL. 1019 and 941. An inflationary cycle. Most economic analysts believe that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. The faster than expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. No one's talking about this great, great deal. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. <laughs> Transitory. And the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and expected to be temporary. There's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, enthusiastically retweeted an economist who had said in part, most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? Oh my God. That is hilarious. Well, the number one thing that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Uh, that, we know, is the root cause of inflation. President Biden this afternoon saying he thinks we're at the peak of the crisis right now and that lower prices are on the way. The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, re- undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. There you have it. That's like a two-minute clip spanning the course of about 14 months where there's constant denial, lying, and spin. They can't decide whether it's Putin's fault or Trump's tax cut's fault. They don't know what it is. I mean, how do, if, if the only way, if Chuck Schumer is right and the only way to get rid of inflation is to undo Trump's tax cuts, how in the world did they not know that 14 months ago if that's the only way? 
They can't figure out if it's Putin's fault, Trump's fault for passing tax cuts. The one thing, the only thing in, in that whole clip that had any semblance of truth was when Biden said it's a supply chain issue and the supply chain does have something to do with raising prices. I said this in the last segment. If it's harder for products to move from the ship that they're being brought over here on to the shelf that you're purchasing it from, if it costs a lot of money to move those products to the store shelves, that that cost is going to get passed on to you as the consumer. So prices will go up. But again, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, Biden's own pick. He's the guy who's responsible for making sure that the ocean shipping lanes are clear and our ports are clear and that we have met logistical concerns to make sure that we can freely and seamlessly move products from the ships that they're sent over here on to the store shelves so you can go pick them up. And where was Pete Buttigieg when all this was really getting bad? He was on paternity leave because he and his husband adopted a couple kids. And so he was out of service for months. Paid leave. So while you're paying more for products because the cost to get them to you has gone up, the man who's like literally his job description is to make sure that the shipping lanes are open and the ports are clear so that way we can move these products. That's his job. And he was just gone. He wanted to make sure he got his skin-to-skin contact with his new baby. I'm not putting people down for that. My wife wanted me to do it. However... We have over 300 million people in this country and we have a lot of babies here that need products so that way they can continue to live. Case in point, baby formula. I mean listen, I could I'm going to I could go on. I'm going going to go on just a little bit more cuz this is just this is just the worst story and it gets worse and worse and worse. We can't even get baby formula to young mothers who need it to feed their babies. The last time, well, I don't want to say the last time, I'll say the most famous instance in the world in which America really came to the rescue to help people who could not get things like baby formula was in the late 1940s during the Berlin airlift when the U.S. was literally flying supplies in on a regular basis and dropping food and supplies into Germany for the people who had been cut off by the building of the Berlin Wall. Fast forward 60 years. America, we're supposed to be, we like to claim that we're the freest country in the world. We can't even manufacture our own baby formula. And so who comes to the rescue? Germany. They airlifted baby formula from Germany to Indiana so we could distribute it to help feed our babies in the U.S. So President Biden's right. One part of inflation, like we talked about before, has to do with the cost of logistics. It might make prices go up. So that's one end of it, but that's still his fault. His 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was just just gone. He was just out of the picture. He just decided to leave and spend months on his paternity leave. But that still doesn't account for the money. And you know what else it doesn't account for? It doesn't account for all those clips that we just heard where it's hard to say definitely lying to us, right? Definitely lying to us because he's saying things like, I just wrote some of these down while that was playing. Um, it's trending downwards. It's trending downwards. Uh, his press secretary, White House press secretary said, uh, inflation over the last several months is trending downwards. And it wasn't. That was an outright lie. Jen Psaki, this woman, I'm telling you what, she's worth her weight in gold as a White House press secretary because she is a spin master. I'm not putting her down, but I'm telling you what, she's good at this. This was something that she got caught in a few months back. She said, inflation is actually going down. And she said that with a straight face during the uptrend of inflation. Remember, we're at 9.1% now. So when somebody called her out on that and they said, you said inflation is down, but it continues to go up. And then she clarified, she said, well, when I said it's going down, I was speaking to the rate at which it was going up. I'm, I'm telling you what, that is, that is a genius, that is a genius master level ability to spin the truth. And they do this because they think we're stupid. They think that when we have to spend 30% more just for a carton of eggs so our kids can have some breakfast, they think we're not going to notice that because the White House press secretary said it's not real. Man, oh my goodness. President Biden, his, uh, here's the other one. Oh my, th this one. If this doesn't say tone-deaf administration, I don't know what does. One of his advisors tweeted out and retweeted that inflation is just primarily a high-class problem. Not only is it just tone-deaf, but it's outright wrong. Listen, the 1% are the people who are least affected by the rising cost of eggs at the grocery store. They are the people who are least affected by rising gas prices. If you if you are so financially successful that you are in the upper echelons of society in this country, you are most likely least affected by the fact that poultry is up over 30%. Probably because you're not going to the grocery store looking for a, probably because they're not going to a grocery store looking for a good deal on chicken because they have to pack their own lunch when they head out to the work site tomorrow. But this is the Biden administration. Inflation is mostly a high class problem. All of us lower class people, we don't ever feel the pain of rising fuel costs. We don't feel the pain of rising prices. It doesn't hurt us. We're the people it hurts the most. What's another one here? Transitory. Here's, here's another lie for you. Spin and lie. 
Oh, inflation's just transitory. And if you wonder what they mean by that, what they mean is, you know, after after a, a recession or after a moment where the market falls, after a moment where we had some economic instability, you know, in order to transition out of that, we will necessarily have to have some inflation. It's just kind of part of the process to work our way back up out of it. There's a lie right there. And it's a lie because our entire monetary policy, our entire monetary system, the whole thing going all the way back to the early 1900s when the Federal Reserve was created, when it was uh, installed by an act of Congress to basically be our central bank and be in charge of all of our money since then. So we're talking over 100 years of policy. It has been the policy to inflate our currency. In December, I remember sitting in my office, uh, working working as uh, uh, managing portfolios, and I'm calling clients and discussing uh, stocks and bonds with them and their portfolio and their risk tolerance, all that stuff that goes with it. I remember in December of 2019, sitting in my office and watching Jerome Powell have a press conference in which they announced their target rate of inflation for 2020 and their target rate of inflation I think at the time I think it was two percent which is what it usually is more often than not I think so it's not that inflation is just transitory inflation is literally the policy of our government as they try to manage the value of the dollar it's, so whenever anybody tells you that inflation is just transitory, they they don't either they don't know what they're talking about, or they're just lying through their teeth because they understand that inflation is really a racket. Man, I I feel like I should I feel like I should just like rent a room at a library and just give a class on all this stuff because I'm going to tell you how big of a racket it is. I'm going to use Missouri as an example for this inflation racket that our benevolent overlords have had us under now for over 100 years. I'm going to use Missouri as an example because when I was in the Missouri State Legislature, this is an issue that I focused on in in depth. And it's a state issue. I had people telling me, Paul, you shouldn't be involved in monetary policy at the federal level, that's a federal issue. You're a state representative. Well, here's a newsflash for you. Every dollar in the state coffers, every dollar that we appropriate to Medicaid or to schools, all of those are federal dollars. So if our federal government has a policy that's weakening our dollar, that dollar has has to stretch a lot further, even if the state's the one cutting the check. So monetary policy is 100% a state issue, and every state ought to be involved in this issue. They ought to be involved in the discussion, and that's the way things used to be until we passed the 17th Amendment, and states lost a lot of their ability to really find representation as a state in the federal government. But here's how the racket works. When Missouri first established our income tax, we had nine tax brackets, okay? There's a difference. There's tax brackets and there's tax rates. 
A tax bracket is when the government wants to look at how much money you're making and your income is divided into brackets. So back in like 1929, when our income tax brackets and our income tax rates were established and put into law, there were nine tax brackets. The first $1,000 you earned was taxed at a low rate. And all the way up to $9,000, if you made $9,000 for the year, you were in the highest tax rate in the state. Because in 1929, in the throes of the Great Depression, if you were making $9,000 a year, you were doing really well. So they put you in the highest tax rate. But they made a mistake. They never adjusted our tax brackets to change with inflation. So in 2022, if you're only making $9,000 a year, it was a lot of money in 1929, but in 2022, if you're only making $9,000 a year, you are still about four or $5,000 below the federal poverty line. So let's just say you're only making $9,000 a year. You're in the highest tax rate with people that are making millions. And why? Because those tax brackets never adjusted for a monetary policy that has a target rate of inflation that they're trying to achieve from one year to the next. So after 80 or 90 years, you should expect, you should expect even the poorest people in the state to be in the highest tax bracket because those brackets never adjusted. Now here's, here's how it's a racket. Here's how it makes the government bigger and stronger and more intrusive. I introduced a bill in Jefferson City that would cause our tax brackets to adjust for inflation. I got Republicans and Democrats to vote for it. It basically amounted to, in 2014 or 2015, it actually amounted to 24, basically a $24 million a year annual tax cut, assuming inflation was 2% a year. And the Democrats voted for it because they understood that this helps the poorest people in the state first. The conservatives voted for it because we understood it helps the poorest people in the state first, but we also understood that it helped us start to move our way, maybe not completely out of, but it started to dig ourselves away from this inflation tax. So $24 million a year doesn't go to Jefferson City. It gets to stay in our economy and in our pockets. I tell you what, I'm waiting for the phone lines to light up and for people to say, hey, thank you, former Representative Paul Kerbin, for passing that bill. Because now inflation's at 9.1%. And can you imagine how much more money you would have to send to Jefferson City if our tax brackets didn't adjust for inflation? Every bill comes with a fiscal note. And if we would have done this back in 1929, just so you understand, the racket and how it makes government bigger and stronger and robs the people of their wealth... The state of Missouri would be $8 billion smaller today. Limited government. We'd have a much more limited government and we'd have a much more stronger and robust economy because we'd have more money to use as we buy and sell on things that we want or we need in our economy rather than just sending it to politicians. It's a racket. Folks, we will be back. 
In just another couple minutes, this is Paul Kurtman filling in for Randy Tobler on the Randy Tobler Show here at News Talk, STL 1019 and 941. All right, and welcome back to the Randy Tobler Show. Paul Kurtman filling in for Randy. We just got just a couple minutes here before we wrap up this hour, so I just want to let you know what's coming up. Here at the end of the next hour, so probably right about 745, we're going to have Virginia Cruda from the Daily Wire. Uh, she is a regular guest on this program, on this station. Uh, a very prolific writer uh, over there at the Daily Wire, very relevant and very, a very good writer. So make sure that you tune in for her. But also at 845, we're going to have a guy named Robert Smith, who's a, uh, on the I think he's on the state committee for the Missouri Libertarian Party. But they are working on some legislation that I think is very, very relevant related to sound money and reigning in inflation. And states can do this. There's a lot that we can do about inflation at the state level if states will provide some accountability. And uh, the Libertarian Party has an idea. And uh, it's not an uncommon idea. Republicans have carried this idea before. I have when I was in the House. And it's something that we need to be a little bit mindful of. So make sure you stick around for both Virginia Cruda at 745 and then for Robert Smith at 845. But also, in the third hour, we're going to play the B or not the B. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be a good one. I got to play it yesterday with Ken Williams and Vic Purcelli and Gabe Pfeiffer. Am I still champion? Vic, did you get any wrong? I got one yeah. wrong. Vic, Purce- Vic, you're the champion. You are oh, the reigning champion. Nice. Good for Vic. He, uh, he's got Vic you beat Porcelli. by one question. Good for Vic Porcelli. All right, but we got some good ones today, and so we're going we're gonna to get to that. Uh, there in the third hour also, but we're gonna we're also gonna discuss this here uh, coming up probably probably right when we come back from this next break. Sixty two percent, no, it's not sixty two percent. Sixty two of Biden's appointees that he's depending on to help run this economy and right the ship. I'm gonna tell you what their average amount of actual business experience is between sixty eight people that he has handpicked. To help him steer the American economy, right the ship of runaway inflation, and get us all back on track to wealth and prosperity. You would think, you would think these guys would be experts in business, deep experience. I'm going to tell you exactly how many years they have on average between them actually working in the private sector and earning a paycheck or signing a paycheck when we come back. This is Paul Kurtman filling in for Randy Tobel right here, News Talk STL 1019 and 941.